the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God on this Thursday, June the 16th, 2022, in the month dedicated to the most sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he rule and reign forever. And uh, today's going to be a great day on the show. In fact, it's not great just because Rudy Carlos isn't here. There are other reasons to make it great. I'm I'm teasing. He's not even listening, so he can't defend himself. Uh, Our friend Mike Koeniger, uh, we affectionately refer to him as the brick wall, is standing in his place. Good morning to you, Mike. Got to unmute yourself there. Good morning. Yeah. Got it. Good morning, that, Joe. How that, are you today? That pesky Zoom mic. You think in 2022, Elon Musk would have would have solved this problem by now, but uh, we're still waiting. Someday well, we'll you, have... You hit it twice, it works. Maybe it doesn't. You just got to kind of watch it. Yeah, who knows? But it's good to see you again. Thanks for filling in for Rudy's on vacation today. We'll be praying for him this weekend to have a, a great relaxing week with his family in San Antonio. Praise be to God. But we're going to be talking about the carless... The Carlists, are they on a mission to consecrate Texas and beyond to the most sacred heart? And why are they on this crusade? Daniel Rodriguez is going to be joining us at 35 past the hour to talk about what went down in Dallas, Texas that uh, got the Carlists activated and how you might be able to continue this crusade in your neck of the woods as well. Lots of stories in the news, of course. Uh, the militant pro-abortion group Jane's Revenge has, has uh, declared open season on pro-lifers. And, you know, these institutions that they don't like, such as the Catholic Church. So here's the question. Is your parish ready for that? Speaking of abortions, the number of abortions in the United States has increased for the first time in three decades. Abortion pills that are being mailed directly to these mothers. That is the cause of that. So lots to pray for there. Thousands of cattle have died over in Kansas due to extreme heat and humidity. That's going to also affect the food supply, guaranteed. The Federal Reserve has announced the most aggressive interest rate hike in three decades. So there's fun. Uh, and President Joe Biden, speaking of more fun, is giving an additional $1.2 billion to Ukraine of your hard-earned tax money. Uh, by the way, have you seen the reports of them selling all of our military equipment on the black market? I'm just curious. I wonder if you've seen that. But anyway, lots of stories in the news there. There's another very difficult and troubling story I want to talk about in the What's Concerning Us about uh, Our Lady uh, being mocked in Italy uh, and how horrible this is. The fires of hell are real, and people go there, and we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour, plus the feast day of Corpus Christi, all of that coming up on the show in this hour. In the next hour, top of the hour, we're going to have Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com on the show to catch us up with the best in the Catholic blogosphere. Speaking of the best, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos this morning. You have an abandoned ship. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? You know what they say. They say they say your phone makes weird noises during the show. Yeah, they do say that. <laughs> is that they what they say? say that. The Amber Alerts, you know, someone just got kidnapped. So, you know, pray Yikes. for that their safety return. They Yikes. return home to their families. But no, they, they say uh, that I'm the best around. Now, that no one's going to ever keep me down. Something like that. <laughs> so is that I, I've heard that. that, that I've heard that somewhere. Is that how that goes? Mm-hmm. And I think it was in the same movie that, they, uh, that the guy goes, um, No. Is that the same movie? No. I get confused. Yeah, Those movies tell. were like back I before can, I was born, so, I you know, tell. I get confused. I could tell. Uh, yo, Adrian, that's hilarious. 
Um, I always thought that was weird that he referred to his wife with the male's name. Yeah, she's never. I mm. was googling it the other day actually, and mm. she was never in the movie ever referred to as Adriana. Yeah. But in the script, that's her name. Why? And she's only ever referred to as that's Adrian. Bizarre. Yeah. That's bizarre. Fun facts. We should blame Mike for that because that's his generation, so he should take responsibility. I got it. I own that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that means Adrian owns all of the Zers. Oh, yikes. yeah. That's a fair trade right there. Praise be to God. I'll, I'll take Rocky every day of the week over that. Okay, we're going to jump in. We have a lot to cover today. It's going to be a great show. Mike's going to do the news for us in a moment. And as I said, we're going to cover a lot of ground in the What's Concerning Us. And then uh, we're going to talk about the Carlists and their crusade to consecrate Texas and beyond to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and how you might be able to get in on that action. All of that coming up. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most sweet Jesus, that no one who has had recourse to thy Sacred Heart implored its help or sought its mercy was ever abandoned. Encouraged with confidence, O tenderest of hearts, we present ourselves before thee, crushed beneath the weight of our sins in our misery, O Sacred Heart of Jesus, Despise not our prayers, but mercifully grant our requests. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headlines with Mike Koeniger. Hey, good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, June 16th, and these are your headlines. From LifeSite News, as Joe mentioned earlier, Jane's Revenge declares open season on pro-life groups, promises to escalate violence. We promise to take increasingly drastic measures against oppressive infrastructures. Rest assured that we will, and those measures may not come in the form of something so easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti, the ultra-extremist group threaten. From here forward, any anti-choice group who closes their doors and stops operating will no longer be a target. But until you do, it's open season, and we know where your operations are. The infrastructure of the enslavers will not survive. The communique, which was published by Abolition Media, stated, Synagogue, a synagogue lawsuit claims Florida abortion ban violates religious freedom. The lawsuit filed Friday in Leon County Circuit Court by Congregation Lador Vador, based in Boynton Beach, argued that Jewish law requires abortions in some cases. The congregation's rabbi, Barry Silver, said this law discriminates against Jews, the mentally ill, and those who do not detect the signals from aliens. China State-backed Science and Technology Daily says it has detected new possible artificial signals but then it might also just have been radio interference. The report, all traces of which have appeared to have been deleted, revealed that narrow-band electromagnetic signals were detected by the fast radio telescope. Breitbart says that a poll shows half of Americans give poor rating to U.S. moral values, a record high. Gallup has been tracking Americans' view of U.S. morals for the past two decades and noted that while negative views have been the norm, the current 50% poorer rating is the highest on record by one percentage point. Fair? Only 1% say the state of moral values is excellent and 12% say good. California Bishop blasts Cardinal Select McElroy for thinking abortion not wrong enough to discuss. Bishop Michael Barber told the Wall Street Journal that McElroy thinks abortion is not wrong enough that you need to say or do anything about it or interact with politicians who are publicly promoting it. Barber made his comments while, discuss while discussing San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione's decision to bar the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, from Holy Communion. He went on to say, McElroy thinks that abortion is not wrong enough that you need to say or do anything about it or interact with politicians who are publicly promoting it. Barber also noted that McElroy has discussed other political issues publicly. 
McElroy's spokesman responded, maintaining that he does indeed discuss abortion. And those are your headlines for this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is a really cool saint that I think I'm going to start having a devotion to. Let's see if you can find out why. She is Saint Luthgard. Saint Luthgard was born in Tongeren in 1182. She was admitted into the Benedictine Monastery of Saint Catherine near Saint Trudin at the age of 12. Not because of a, of a vocation, but because her dowry had been lost in a failed business, business venture. She was attractive, fond of nice clothes, and liked to enjoy herself. For Luthgard, the cloister represented a socially acceptable alternative to the disgrace of unmarried life in the world. She lived in the convent for several years without having much interest in religious life. She could come and go and receive visitors as she pleased. It was in the parlor, a welcome break in the monotony of monastic observance, that she was visited with a vision of Jesus Christ showing her his wounds. And at the age of 20, she made her solemn vows as a Benedictine. Some of the sisters predicted that her change in behavior would not last. Instead, she became even more devout. Over the next dozen years, she had many visions of Christ, Mary, and St. John the Evangelist. Accounts of her life state that she experienced ecstasies, levitated, and dripped blood from her forehead and hair when she was entranced. She joined the Cistercians, a stricter order, on the advice of her friend Christina. The nuns of Iwars and spoke French, not Lutgard's native Flemish. Lutgard's deliberately did not learn French in order to live in even greater silence. The prolific multiplication of Cistercian monasteries of women in the Low Countries obliged the white nuns to turn to the newly founded friars, disciples Francis and Dominic, rather than to their brother monks for spiritual and sacramental assistance. Luthgard was a friend and mother to the early Dominicans and Franciscans, supporting their preaching by her prayer and fasting, offering them hospitality ever eager for news of their missions and spiritual conquest. Her first biographer relates that the, the friars named her Mater Predacatorum, the mother of preachers. Luthgard was one of the great per uh, precursors of the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The first recorded mystic revelation of Christ's heart is that of Luthgard's. According to Thomas Merton, she entered upon the mystical life with a vision of the pierced heart of the Savior. And she had concluded her mystical espousal with the incarnate word by an exchange of hearts with him. When in a visitation, Christ came to Luthgard offering her whatever gift of grace that she de should desire. She asked for a better grasp of Latin that she might better understand the word of God and lift her voice in choral praise. Christ granted her request, and after a few days, Luthgard's mind was flooded with the riches of psalms, antiphons, readings, and responsories. However, a painful emptiness persisted. With disarming candor, she returned to Christ, asking to return his gift, and wondering if she might just possibly exchange it for another. And for what would you exchange it, Christ asked. Lord, said Luthgard, I would exchange it for your heart. Christ then reached into Luthgard and removing her heart, replaced it with his own, and at the same time hiding her heart within his breast. She died on June 16, 1246, the day after the Feast of the Holy Trinity, at the age of 64. St. Luthgard, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And Augustine talks about whether or not you should pray short or long. He says, quote, Yet to continue long in prayer is not, as some think, what is here meant by using many words. For much speaking is one thing, and an enduring fervency another. For of the Lord himself it is written that he continued a whole night in prayer and prayed at great length, setting an example for us. So fervency is the key there. Thank you, St. Augustine. What about uh, the Holy Eucharist, the super substantial bread, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church describes the Greek word used in this particular phrasing in Matthew chapter 6? St. Jerome would say, we also may interpret the word super substantialis, otherwise as, the, as that which is above all other substances and more excellent than all creatures, to wit the body of the Lord. St. Jerome goes on to say, when then we pray to God, to, uh, we pray God to give us our peculiar or chief bread. We mean him who says in the gospel, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Or St. Cyprian said in the uh, third century, for Christ is the bread of life. And this bread belongs not to all men, but to us. Did you catch that? Not to all men, but to us. This bread we pray that is be, that it be given day by day, lest we who are in Christ and who daily receive the Eucharist for food of salvation should by the admission of any grievous crime and are being therefore forbidden the heavenly bread be separated from the body of Christ. Super substantial bread is a reference to the Eucharist in the Our Father. That's powerful. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there is an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism, 
or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, why are the uh, Carlists on a crusade to have Texas consecrated the Sacred Heart? What happened in Dallas that got them fired up? We're going to talk with a Carlist about that coming up at, 50, at uh, 35 past the hour. So stick around for that because it might be something you, you can do in your neck of the woods. So I would encourage you to tune in coming up. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Here's a couple of them. Uh, I just saw this this morning out of the Catholic News Agency. The Franciscans in Germany elect openly gay priest as new superior. Let that sink in. You know, the issue is not with people who struggle with same-sex attraction, but persevere through, through uh, you know, grace, through effort, through a strong desire to live in a, in a state of grace, to live chaste in their, in their call and their vocation. That's not the issue, because all human beings have temptations and struggles, and we must all persevere through those, and God gives us a bucket load of graces to do that, to accomplish that. The issue is for those that to deny what the church teaches, the calling and dignity of the human person, God's gift for human sexuality, and just embraces the world of flesh and the devil and pretends like that's okay. It's not okay. And uh, to see so many in the church embrace this is so sad. It's so, it's so disheartening. It's so uh, tragic in many ways. For instance, <clears throat> excuse me, for instance, we saw this story. This was actually a tip that came through, uh, through our email, and which, by the way, you can find the contact on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. This was a tip that came in for one of our CDT listeners, and we're grateful for it. Praise be to God. Here's Peter. a... I'm sorry? His name is Peter. Thank you, Peter. Here's an article out of Church Pop. It says, quote, I am shocked. Italian bishop laments horrific blasphemy of Our Lady in Pride Parade. So here's the deal, the long and the short of it. There was uh, a Pride Parade in Cremona, Italy on June 4th. And I, I don't want to show, like on the, the live video feed, I don't want to show the actual non-edited picture because it's so horrific. It's so horrible that I don't want to really show it. So let me just summarize for you. So there was a, uh, a pride parade, and these Italians processed down uh, their streets with a mannequin that they dressed up to look like Our Lady with a blue veil, etc. However, it was also clear that they were mocking the Mother of God that they were intending to mock the mother of God. And I was reminded in this, I, one, I felt great anger, and then I also felt great sadness all at the same time. You might recall from the movie The Passion of the Christ back in 2004, Mel Gibson and Jim Caviezel, where there's that scene where our Lord is being a scourge, the pillar, and there is Satan with this little, this little this one of his demon minions in, his, in, in, in its arms, and uh, they're just smiling, this demonic sort of perverse look in their face back towards our Lord who's chained to this pillar being whipped and scourged. I remember my father calling me to ask me, what was that about? Like, he didn't understand, like, because as a Protestant, he didn't have a real reference for Our Lady and the devotions that we do. And I explained to him that this was the devil mocking, chiding the Lord 
provoking him, trying to provoke him. Because I guarantee that when you try to make fun of someone's mom, they get upset about that and they come to the defense of their mother. Well, what would the, uh, Satan accomplish if he could provoke uh, Jesus into reacting in this very human way? Well, it would mean that he would fall from grace himself, which he cannot do, obviously. He would go and suffer, even for the great mockery of his own mother. But don't you be fooled, for God is never fooled. And nothing will escape justice in this life. And one day, we will all have to stand before the Lord, the King of Kings, and the Judge. And we will have to look him in the eye and give an account for every single word we utter and every action we commit. Because that's how we're judged. Not by what we believe as much as what we have done the life we have lived, and the graces he has given us to live them. And for these people who are going to have to look the Savior in the face and explain why they have mocked his mother when he sits on his judgment seat, there is fire in hell, and people go there, and they suffer for all eternity. And it breaks my heart to see so many Catholics in Italy abandon their faith to embrace the world, the flesh, and the devil. We have much to make reparation for. We have much to suffer for. And there are many souls that are going to be lost, as Our Lady warned us in 1917, if we do not willfully pray fast and do penance for them, because there is no one else on planet Earth who is willing to suffer for their sake. And this is a demonstration, a horrible, horrific mockery of the Queen of Heaven and Earth, the one woman who loves you in spite of you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what you do, our Lady still loves you enough to intercede for you. That's great. That's amazing. And these people were mocking her in such a horrible way. So you can find the article on Church Pop if you really want to, but the images are disturbing to say the least. So let me talk about this, I think, something more positive. And that is the Feast of, of Corpus Christi. You know, today is, today is that feast, but it's a movable feast, and it gets moved. You'll, you're going to probably celebrate it on Sunday. But um, I'm going to Mass tonight, and uh, it's going to be an amazing procession that will happen. It's a, a tradition within the church, and I wanted to give you a little bit of background, and I found a fantastic article over at Pillar, uh, thepillarcatholic.com, that gives you some great background and a lot of information about this particular feast day that you may not know. Let me read just a little bit to you. It says, The origins of the Feast of Corpus Christi began over 800 years ago around the city of Liege in present-day Belgium with a young woman known as Juliana Montcornelian, who would be officially recognized as a saint by Pope Pius XI in 1869. The details of her life are transmitted in a vita written not long after her death in 1258, so 13th century here. Although there is some confusion about her religious identity, it seems that Saint Juliana was trying to live as a regular uh, canonist a religious woman who followed the rule of St. Augustine rather than a monastic rule at the Abbey of Mont Cornelian, where she had been brought, uh, brought as a child after the death of her parents. However, due to the persecutions inflicted by a seminical pri uh, prior, the aspiring canonist ended up also living in her friend's recluse cell the house of a canon, four female Cistercian monasteries, a house, of, of, uh, a house commissioned for her and her companions by an archdeacon of Liege and her own recluse cell. 
Through all her ambiguity, St. Juliana is representative of a movement of female piety that swept through low countries around the 13th century and was often associated with Eucharistic devotion. Although her hagiographal I can't I can't read today or write or speak today. Writing is known for its often over the top uh, nature. Saint Juliana's Vita communicates her profound devotion to the Holy Eucharist. Long story short, here she began to receive uh, apparitions of Our Lord, where Christ wished that the Eucharist, in addition to its daily celebration, would receive special focus with its own feast, as the honor due to it could regularly be tepid or even absent. St. Juliana did not esteem herself worthy for such a feat, but after 20 years of begging, of begging, our Lord had to beg her for 20 years, that's amazing, uh, to be released from it, and repeatedly receiving the response that she was, in fact, the woman for the job, she finally accepted her mission. So Juliana gets this particular mission from our Lord directly over the course of 20 years, asking her to please go do this for me. What do what? Go ask the Pope. Go get uh, a feast day uh, set up for Corpus Christi. And I was listening to Dr. Brand Petrie this morning, and he pointed this out. In contrast to, say, Christmas or uh, Ascension or the Resurrection, these are marking historical events that happened 2,000 years ago. Whereas the Feast of Corpus Christi marks something, a miracle, that happens every single day on the altars of the Catholic Church all across the world. Where the body and blood is, uh, is, is given to the faithful. The very food of salvation, as today's gospel points out, as St. Jerome makes very, very clear, as St. Cyprian makes clear, as all the early church fathers recognized, this super substantial bread spoken of in the Our Father, or John chapter 6, or you know elsewhere, is the true manna. And the manna in the Old Testament, which was considered miracle bread come down from heaven, was only a foreshadowing, a taste of something greater to come. And that something greater to come is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he called upon St. Juliana in the 13th century to go to the church and make this happen, which she finally accepted and did. Um, now, what's interesting is the, the church asked St. Augustine at the time, he wasn't a saint, uh, but St. Augustine to began to uh, prepare and write this Mass. Uh, he prepared the, the, the hymns and the, and the portions of the Mass that we only have a taste of today, because after 1970, a lot of this has been deleted when they came out with the Nova Sordo, which is uh, tragic. But you will recognize the, the Ponga Lingua or the uh, Osolitaris. Uh, St. Th Thomas? I'm sorry? You mean St. Thomas? Yeah, St. Thomas you Aquinas. Said, okay, you said St. Augustine. Uh, well, Thomas Aquinas wrote these parts, mm -hmm. and uh, St. Bonaventure was also tasked with part of it, but St. Bonaventure, after reading uh, St. Thomas's uh, uh, parts, realized he's not going to be able to hold a candle to the brilliance of young St. Thomas at the time. So it's fascinating because now this feast is movable, and I want to point this part out. Um, here's the, let me read this part of the article here, too. It says... 
Astute readers may have noticed that there seem to be some discrepancies related to the celebration of the feast for, like, when is it, okay? So following Vatican II, in 1969, the Sacred Congregation of Rites, which would be divided into the Congregation of Divine Worship and the Congregation for the Causes of Saints that same year, published the general norms for a liturgical year and calendar to take effect January 1, 1970. Among many changes to the general Roman calendar is a norm allowing the Feast of Epiphany, Ascension, and Corpus Christi to be transferred to a Sunday. Corpus Christi, in particular, could be moved from Thursday to Sunday after the Feast of the Trinity. While this allowance only became universal in 1970, the, the United States had already been given permission for a Sunday celebration of the feast almost a century earlier. At the request of the Council Fathers of the Third Plenary Council of Baltimore, Pope Leo XIII granted the U.S. an indult that allowed for this accommodation in 1885. This way, American Catholics, who were living in an effectively Protestant country in which holy days were not public holidays, uh, and they couldn't uh, attend Mass regularly or refrain from servile work, Unlike the 1970 accommodation, however, the 1885 indult did not actually change the calendar. The feast would still fall on Thursday, but it could also be celebrated on Sunday. Today, there are churches in the U.S. in which the extraordinary form of the Holy Mass is celebrated, meaning that the 1962 calendar is still in use, like my parish, for instance. It says, since this calendar places Feast of Corpus Christi on the Thursday following Trinity Sunday, it is to be celebrated on this day, which we are going to do tonight, as a matter of fact. However, the 62 Missal provides the option of external solemnities by which the Mass for a feast can be celebrated on another day in addition to its original day. Thus, Corpus Christi could be celebrated on both Thursday and on Sunday. That's a uh, sort of a summary really quick. You should read the whole article. There's a ton more detail there for you on the background and more over at thepillarcatholic.com. But if you get a chance, go to Mass tonight. Otherwise, prepare yourself to embrace the body, blood, soul, and divinity in all of its grandeur and fullness this coming Sunday. We'll be right back. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy this is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. 
End of an era. Internet Explorer dies at 27. Microsoft stopped supporting the 27-year-old browser application Wednesday in accordance with a 2021 announcement from the big tech company. Microsoft's Edge browser, which launched in 2015, will be Internet Explorer's successor, according to a report. Biden inflation accelerates. Producer prices up 10.8%. Prices charged by U.S. businesses were up 10.8% in May compared with a year ago. The sixth straight month of government producer price inflation gauge running at or above 10%, excluding food, energy, and trade services, which measure selling margins of retailers and wholesalers rather than prices. PPI rose 0.5% for the month and 6.8% for the year. Saudi Arabia seizes rainbow toys in homosexuality crackdown. Saudi officials seize rainbow-colored toys and articles of clothing from shops. Targeted items include bows, skirts, hats, and pencil cases. Homosexuality is a potential capital offense in Saudi Arabia, known for its strict interpretation of Islamic Sharia law, which forms the basis of its entire judicial system. As Joe mentioned earlier, thousands of cattle dead in Kansas after extreme heat and humidity. Thousands of cattle have died across Kansas in what officials are attributing to extreme heat and humidity amid soaring temperatures. Officials say at least 2,000 beeves have lost their lives as some areas reached over 100 degrees Fahrenheit last weekend. Kansas is the third largest cattle state in the U.S. behind Texas and Nebraska, with more than 2.4 million cattle in feedlots. Finally, homeless teen living under bridge reunites with puppy he surrendered to animal shelter. A homeless teenager living under a bridge who surrendered his puppy to an animal shelter has been reunited with his beloved dog since receiving help from the community. Before leaving the animal shelter, the teen asked if he could visit Jada and perhaps say goodbye if she was adopted. In the meantime, he told Robinson that he wanted to save for a car and return for Jada if he could. After this encounter, Robinson shared the teen and Jada's story on Facebook and the post blew up with offers to adopt the puppy and help the teen get back on his feet. The shelter had decided to keep Jada until they could reconnect with her, her with the teen after he got some help. And those are your headlines. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Mike, uh, for for pitching in for Rudy uh, as he's on vacation. We're very grateful to have you here. Praise be to God. Uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is uh, Daniel Rodriguez, a member of the the car list, if I'm not mistaken. Good morning to you, Daniel. You got to unmute your your Zoom there. That infamous Zoom mute problem. I mean, where is Elon Musk yeah. when you need him? I mean, we can go I've to Mars. I see people do this on, yeah. online all the time. I said it's not going to happen to me, and there we go. <laughs> and then, then there you go. Well, it's good to have you here nonetheless. Praise be to God. Uh, you're a member of the Carlists? That's correct. I'm, I'm in, uh, a member of the Circulo Carlista Camino Real de Texas, which is the local Carlist uh, circle. You know, it's fascinating because when you Google the car list, you know, you, you get you get certain buzzwords usually, depending on the source, you know, like right wing political movement. It's like one of those, you know, it's like they like dum dum dum. It just seems so ominous the way they describe these things. So maybe you can give us the background. What are the car lists? What is Carlism? Well, Carlism is the only still existing Catholic, traditional Catholic counter revolutionary movement. Uh, it has four main tenets, which is Dios, Patria, Fueros y Rey, which is God, uh, Fatherland, the Charter Rights, and King, the legitimate King. Uh, those are the three tenets of, of Carlism. 
And they played a role, I think, uh, because Spain itself, I don't want to get too long-winded on this point, but I, I think it's important for the background. I, I, the, in the Spanish Revolution, they did play a role there as well, right? So fighting for like sort of the soul of Spain, which was struggling to, uh, to maintain its identity, its monarchy, its... Uh, its values, uh, they were they're sort of ripped apart by socialism and anarchy and, and a bunch of other things. So, uh, so I think Carlos have a rich history there. That's correct, yeah. And, and I think uh, there's a lot of parallels, but well, what happened with uh, between the what a lot of people call the Spanish Civil War or the Spanish Revolution, but I think it's more accurate to call it the last Spanish Crusade mm. because it was a crusade against uh, these... Uh, Marxists that were trying to destroy our faith as well as our traditions. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's talk about uh, what happened in Dallas and why the Carlists have been fired up and what are they doing up there. So maybe you can give us the background. Uh, something happened in Dallas and you guys responded. That's correct. Yeah, uh, there was a despic despicable event called Drag Your Kids to Pride. And basically, and I'm sure most people have probably seen the videos. I, I don't want to get into too graphic details, but it's basically grown men dressed as women dancing in front of young children. It's oh. uh, we felt that we need to needed to go out there, do a public witness, uh, and the best way to do that is to bring the Holy Rosary under the protection of Our Lady. We can defeat all of our enemies if we just have faith. In our Lord Jesus Christ, as well as his his Holy Mother, uh, and there's one weapon, and I think a lot of people always overlook this. They they maybe think the ballot is is one weapon, and and maybe there there's other media and all these other things. But I think one thing that we always overlook is the Holy Rosary, which mm -hmm. is the most powerful weapon we have to fight the evils that we encounter today in the world. You know. I I had actually never I mean I had heard of the Carlists before but historically I didn't realize that the Carlists still existed today and especially in in America I mean you would think it would be in Spain or in other places but here in in Texas and the idea of fighting the the being that counter revolution in Texas I that very much uh, accords with me we had a a a rosary rally here in Houston a couple of days ago that I was uh, getting together. And why is it important I, uh, that we stand up and fight against these things with the Holy Rosary when standing out in the public square? A lot of people will say, oh, well, why don't you just go to the church and pray? Why don't you just uh, pray in the silent of your home? We all coordinate and then we all just pray at the same time in our homes. Why is it important to be a public witness? I think there's two things, right? I think what happens with a lot of Catholics is they treat Catholicism, their faith, kind of like a jacket. Uh, so I go to work, I take off my Catholic jacket, I put on my work jacket. Um, I go to church, I put on my, my Catholic jacket back on. And that's actually a very un-Catholic way of thinking. Uh, uh, the faith as has been taught to us by our forefathers is that every aspect of our life whether it's political, economic, religious, everything is influenced by the Catholic faith. So uh, one of the things that, that we need to do is remember that everything that we do is influenced by that faith. So when we, do, when we pray the rosary at home, that's a spiritual act. It's a religious spiritual act. When we bring the holy rosary to the public square, 
that is a political act. It doesn't stop being Catholic. It doesn't stop being religious because religion influences everything in our thought or it should influence everything mm -hmm. that we do, including work. Um, and so that's one political act that we need to do today to fight the, the evils that we have uh, is bringing that holy rosary to the public square to the people at large. You know, it's interesting. Thinking of Spain in particular, I've always it's, – it's on my bucket list. Well, it's not always, but it's for the last several years, it's been on my bucket list to spend uh, Passion Week in Spain to witness these incredible processions that they do there, these elaborate – pageants of uh of these massive parades where these these men hoist this thing on their shoulders that weigh thousands of pounds and they're marching through the streets and strangers and i have to and i sit there and i watch these videos of this happening i'm thinking i wonder out of all these people in the crowd i wonder how many of these people are fervent catholics and i just imagine that most of them probably aren't they're probably just lukewarm, go-along-to-get-along type of, of people, but they're awestruck at what they're seeing. And to yeah. me, I see this as an inverse of the drag-your-kid-to-pride nonsense that we're seeing this month all over the country and the world. In, uh, in Rome, we just uh, talked about this a minute ago. In Rome, they mocked Our Lady at a pride parade there. Uh, Christina Aguilar dresses in, in the most horrific costumes in front of children, and let alone the drag queen stuff that happens in front of children. I mean, to me, it's like a, it's like a photo negative. And there's a power here that we are leaving on the table. A power to to combat and literally change lives of those that are that are, are on the fence, the people on the slippery slope towards hell. We have a power. We have something we can do, and that's public demonstration uh, with uh, processions and rosary and just bringing the full force of our faith, uh, the good, the the you know the the beautiful, the joy that we have, and too often, in like at least in our country, silence, crickets, nothing happens. What say yeah. you? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think that one of the things that, that Americans in particular, and I think that's something that comes from maybe historical reasons, but we're always taught that religion is kind of something that you keep at home, and it's not something that you bring out to, to the public square. But I think that's, that's erroneous. Um, and one of the things when we were doing the, the Rosary Rally in, in Dallas um, – was that people are impacted by seeing people in prayer uh, and it contrasted completely to the other side, which is demeanor in dress in in outlook uh, a lot of these people look miserable the 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 way they act the the, the way that they they feel and, and we contrast that to them uh, by our our public actions yeah uh, we had the police come up to us they they told us. You guys were awesome. They they congratulated us. We just sat there in prayer, prayed. We we ignored their their threats, and uh, so I think that's important to hold that thought. Daniel that. Rodriguez is our guest. He's with the Carlist. After the break, we're going to talk about consecrating to the Sacred Heart. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should churches have a structure of hierarchy? Your average non-Catholic evangelical church would say, no, not needed. Why? Each church or denomination should be autonomous and choose their own way of governing. Well, that's wrong. Hierarchy engenders pride and ego. 
same as false humility. What works in Tulsa may not work in Paris. Let's not forget that Jesus and his church cross international boundaries. So my Catholic friend, here's your toolbox for evangelism. Natural reason, the Bible and the church. Natural reason says all social and legal institutions necessitate certain human boundaries and designated leadership. Religion is not exempt. The Bible, St. Peter, St. James, John, and Paul's letters show clear standards of jurisdiction and authority with ramifications if ignored. And the Catholic Church says St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair, the Holy Spirit was promised to lead the chat chair till Christ comes. That is safe and that is right. This is Steve Gleason with Catholic Questions Live. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Daniel Rodriguez is our guest. He's a Carlist. He's based out of Dallas. And we were talking about an event uh, that, that demanded the faithful stand up and make a public act of reparation. Um, and uh, that was uh, drag your kid to, to some insane nonsense at a club in Dallas. Praise be to God for your faithfulness and for that of all the others that joined you there, Daniel. But let's talk about your mission to consecrate Texas to the Sacred Heart. What is this? Well, I think what's happening a lot of times is we're being very reactive. So we see an evil act and we go out there and we respond to it. I think the time has come where we need to be proactive. We need to take the initiative. And one of the most important things that we need to do to be able to combat the, the evil that's going on in the world today is embrace our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the best way to do that is by having the entire state of Texas consecrated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That's a political act that will show the world that Jesus is ruled by uh, the King of the Universe, which is Jesus Christ. And and if I could, I just take a time, and I, I think one of the best ways to explain it, and there's, <laughs> I stand on the on the on the the shoulders of giants, and one of the best ways to explain what we need to do and why we need to do it, it maybe comes from uh, Pope uh, Pius XI's Quas Primas. And if you don't mind, do you mind if I just read a, a, a sure. brief little yeah, go ahead. Uh, snippet of it? So it starts, and I'm going to cut out a few parts here, but I, I'm going you know, tr- to try to point out the most important parts of it. So it says, When once men recognize, both in private and in public life, that Christ is king, society will at last receive the great blessings of real liberty, well-ordered discipline, peace, and harmony. If princes and magistrates, duly elected, are filled with the persuasion that they rule not by their own right, but by the mandate and in the place of the divine king, they will exercise their authority piously and wisely, and they will make laws and administer them, having in view the common good and also the human dignity of their subjects. The result will be a stable peace and tranquility, for there there will no longer be any cause of discontent. Mm. So I think that's the main reason that we need to consecrate the state of Texas, for those reasons. Uh, 
much better said by this pope than <laughs> than I ever could. You know, um, we have many listeners that are outside of the state of Texas, all over the country, in fact, and praise yeah. be to God for that. And so, actually, I'm looking at Alberto from the UK is hanging out with us this morning. Too. Good morning to you, Alberto. Um, and I think this might be something that can catch on everywhere. Like, there's a model here. Of course. Um, we've seen of course. rosary rallies in other countries. Uh, in Ireland, for instance, there's been some rosary rallies. By the way, there's a reported Eucharistic miracle out this morning from Ireland, from County County Mayo, I think. It's, I don't know the details, too many of the details, but uh, our friend uh, that we had on last week actually reported it on his YouTube channel, so that'd be amazing to hear. So we're seeing in countries like Ireland, which is declining in faith drastically, uh, rosary rallies, Poland, rosary rallies. We've seen them in in uh, Austria. We've seen them around the country here in the United States. You've had one. Adrian has them all the time. Praise be to God, sort of the, uh, the uh, tradition, family, and property. Uh, praise be to Jesus. Uh, we see their rallies all, a lot. But at the same time, we're talking, you know, 80 to 100 people at a time. Not the tens of thousands that we're capable of. Uh, what do we need to do to get to that level? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. How do we get to the masses? Um, I think a lot of the things that we need to do, including reaching out to uh, a larger number of people, it's kind of because the media is against us. Uh, but, you know, for example, even for the, the Rosary Rally, they, they showed a lot of the negative stuff, but they didn't show us, or most of them didn't show us uh, praying the, the Rosary. So I, I think a lot of the things are outside of our control. And we have to entrust ourselves to the Blessed Mother. Mm. We need to entrust ourselves because it's the only way that we're going to be able to break the this evil control that we have, not just in our country, but in the world. So I guess the, the best way to do it is continue to pray and ask for divine intervention. It will happen. Uh, I always look back to the, the Battle of Lepanto, for example, when the Mohammedans were going to attack Europe we had a they had the strongest navy they were going to defeat us there was no way we were going to beat them but we entrusted ourselves uh, to the lady to our lady by praying the rosary and we were able to defeat them i think the same thing is going to happen now you know i think um in in times past when catholics would go to different nations and they tried to convert those nations the first thing they would do is they would go to the king, the queen, the princes, the nobility, and they would try to convert them first. I'm thinking St. Francis going to the Saracen, to the Saracen leader, and these kind of things. In today's world, I think the way that Catholics can rally the forces and against the enemies of the Holy Mother Church is to not just uh, try to convert our rulers, because the one of the downfalls of a democracy uh, that we have is that it's it's not like if we if we convert Joe Biden, praise be to God, that'd be great, wonderful thing if he we saved his soul, but he would just get we just get a new president in, in the two years, and then so we have to start over from scratch. But what we can do is we can try to encourage our priests, our bishops, the people in power in our churches and have them show up to rosary rallies, have them help them have the courage to stand up on the street corners. And if a priest is out there with us, well, that brings a ton of people, not just a ton of grace and a ton of, and brings the angels and brings Our Lady, but it also will bring the congregation if we can tell these priests. So can you give an element of why specifically you're advocating for 
the bishops to consecrate uh, the uh, Texas to the Sacred Heart. Like that seems like a very lofty goal. Try to convince the bishops to do a uh, make a political act like that. Well, I, I just want to clarify the consecration uh, to the Sacred Heart of Jesus of Texas is not an act that is going to be performed by the bishops. So I think maybe we have an even loftier goal, which is to have the governor of the state of Texas to consecrate the the state of Texas to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Wow. That's a political act. It needs to be done by the person that has authority, political authority in the state, and that needs to be Governor Abbott or whoever wins the, the following election. Uh, so we do need the bishops to get involved. You're right. We need the clergy to get involved. You're, you're also right with that. Uh, but many times the, the lady... Uh, falls back on why aren't the bishops, why aren't the priests doing all these things? But traditionally, uh, in Europe, in, in Latin America, wherever Catholics have settled, a lot of the actions that were done to change society were run by the lady. Uh, so we, we need to always have our bishops, the hierarchy, uh, fighting for us, but we can't always depend that that's going to be the case. So for the consecration of the state of Texas, that's something that the lady, laity needs to push by these rosary rallies. Uh, but we're aiming to have the political authority of this state consecrate the state. The, the in, and that's even a loftier goal. But again, I, I believe that it, it is going to happen. If we have faith, if we continue to, to have this public demonstration of our faith, I think we can convince the governor of Texas to, to do the consecration. Daniel, I'm in the birthplace of the American Republic, Virginia, <laughs> and, and did want to ask a quick follow-up. You had mentioned earlier that we got to stop taking off our Catholic coat and, and wear it throughout our lives and move forward. And I am in a state that was hit by that red wave I hope America sees here in the fall, but we got it last year, a year early. And how can we, as the laity, really bring a revival back into the church, particularly amongst Catholic men? which I think is really the weakest link right now. Absolutely. That's, 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 you, you, that's right. The, the men are the ones that need to stand up. The men are the ones that need to lead their families. The men are the ones that need to be out uh, doing these public demonstrations. I'll give you one example. In Poland, uh, it, it shook me, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to do it. I, I couldn't believe it. They, they, it, was, it had to be a, maybe 100 men went out to a public square on their knees, there wasn't. Uh, they, didn't, they had no specific reason, no political reason, other than to bring back the faith to the nation. Mm-hmm. They got on their knees. They played the rosary. It's so impactful. It's something that you can't ignore. You can be an atheist, a Muslim, whatever you are. You can't ignore the fact that there's dozens of men on their knees praying. That that's impactful. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's something that the men definitely need to stand up. Unfortunately. Um, uh, this is, it, it's a criticism, but at the same time, I, I want to do it charitably. There's a lot of men that have, and I don't mean feminine in a way, uh, homosexual or something like that, but they, they have become very feminine in that they become soft. That any, any kind of, anything that brings them out of their comfort zone, they're going to step back and, no, I don't want to do it. I yeah, they avoid confrontation. Uh, confrontation, exactly. They, they, they shrink from it. We don't need to go look for confrontation, but we need to bring our faith out there regardless. Mm. So if my faith is going gonna, is gonna to shake the new world order, 
I'm still going to do it. I mean, look at the Cristeros yeah. in, in Mexico, the Carlists in Spain, the Army of the Vendée. They, had, they put their chest to bullets. Mm -hmm. They were attacked. There was, there was martyrs that had their skin ripped off their body, that they were crucified. They were burned alive. And we're afraid to go out there and have and pray people <laughs> make fun of us <laughs> to pray yeah. the rosary. I mean, we, it's time that we, yeah. we need to, to, to be men, to stand up and not be afraid always of yeah. everything. I mean, it, it's okay to be afraid, but we have to have faith. If we have faith, we, we're under the protection of Our Lady yeah. and, and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just stand out there. Just do what we have to do. So. Amen to that. We're just down to the wire here, and I find it fascinating because this is something that everybody in every state in our country anyway, and maybe our countries around the world can do, and it's ask their, their political leaders to consecrate their portion of the planet to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, but I'm guessing in Texas that it'll still be an uphill battle, even though the governor is Catholic you know, will he do it? That's the question. Uh, ha have you made any inroads so far? You've got seconds on the clock. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we're going to be reaching out to to many of the political leaders to try to get that done. Um, it, it might be an uphill battle, but that's not why we do things. We don't do things just because we're. This isn't a, a soccer game or something where we need to go score the goal. <laughs> we need to do it because it's what we need to do. Mm. It's what we're called on by our Lord to fight for Christ the King. We always have to remember that we're, we're crusaders, we're knights for Christ the King. Amen. So it doesn't matter if we win in the end. Well said. Because, uh, well, spoiler alert, God wins in the end. God wins so in the end. we yeah. just have to fight. Praise be to God. Daniel Rodriguez, Carlist, we're going to be praying for your success and your continued uh, public witness. Very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. And thank you for being on the show today. All right, let's get it over hour number one. If you can, join us in hour number two. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is coming up after the break. So we'd love to see you there. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Atheists have often viewed belief in God as wishful thinking, a projection of an idea because man fears death. But is this a fair claim? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, not everyone accepts God's existence for this reason. There are many who acknowledge his existence on the grounds of reasonable arguments. Second, even if someone does believe in God for this reason, it says nothing whether or not the proposition, God exists, is true. And finally, third, the theist could turn the table and say atheists reject God simply because they're scared of a divine rule maker and don't want to submit. Obviously, this is not evidence that can be used in support of theism. So, is atheism justified because belief in God is wishful thinking? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, You are free in our time to say that God does not exist. You are free to say that He exists and is evil. You are free to say that He would like to exist if He could. 
You may talk of God as a metaphor or a mystification. You may water him down with gallons of long words or boil him to rags of metaphysics. And it is not merely that nobody punishes, but nobody protests. But if you speak of God as a fact, as a thing like a tiger, as a reason for changing one's conduct, then the modern world will stop you somehow if it can. We are long past talking about whether an unbeliever should be punished for being irreverent. It is now thought irreverent to be a believer. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. If you want the truth, well, you're tuned to the right station. You're listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM, your Catholic radio station for Houston, Texas. The truth lives here. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Daniel Rodriguez from the Carlists up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Talking about uh, their response to the drag your kids to the nonsense perversity routine that went down up there. Uh, They made a public act of reparation, praying the rosary out in front of that location. That was was incredible, praise be to God. And why they are pursuing the governor of the state of Texas to consecrate Texas to the sacred heart of Jesus. And I think that's a pretty brilliant idea. I wonder if everywhere around the Guadalupe Radio Network this morning, you might consider contacting your local political leaders and asking them to consecrate your town, you know, your uh, your city or, or the state itself. I mean, y- is it easy? No, probably not. But should you try? Yes, I think that'd be amazing. Praise be to God. Now, I do believe he forgot to mention some... Uh, there's a rally coming up in Dallas on the 18th. That's right. The 18th, this coming Saturday, they are kicking off their rally. They're going to try to do it at every major city in uh, Texas to try to ask Governor Abbott to consecrate the state of Texas to the Sacred Heart. And they're kicking it off in Dallas this Saturday at Our Lady of Guadalupe Cathedral in downtown Dallas at 1 p.m. this Saturday. And I'll be there, so if you decide to come out, let me know. I will be happy to meet up with you, say hi. And yeah, I'll be there 1 o'clock at the Guadalupe Cathedral in Dallas, Texas. So hit Um, me up. And if you're on the private Telegram group, then you have uh, my direct contact. So there you go. Yeah, I I find it fascinating, you know, and I'm just seeing uh, our friend Nick uh, in the uh, the con box here, which we'll be doing more conversating directly with you in the after show. So if you want to comment directly, you can do so. Uh, hang out for the second half of this hour. Uh, but Nick was talking about uh, uh, sort of this this contrast between asking bishops and priests to do the consecration versus your political leader, and there is a there is an actual uh, precedent there to asking political leaders to consecrate, to make official pu- uh, public proclamations uh, in this regard. And I find that fascinating. It, it seems like it might be a tool in the toolbox that we haven't really tapped into lately. And so uh, I, I'm fascinated by that. You so. know, Joe, my priest was telling us how there is a small, a mayor of a small town in New Mexico, who he wouldn't say his name because he doesn't want to get into trouble, <laughs> who asked him to come and visit him once a year, and he consecrates his city to the Sacred Heart every year. Yeah, praise God. Praise be to God. Now, I, th- I think, you know, if, for instance, in the uh, to using Texas as the example, if uh, the governor, Greg Abbott, who is Catholic, by the way, um, if he were to do this, I'm sure he would tap, you know, probably Cardinal DiNardo or some, you know, one of the bishops to 
to help them with that proclamation. But uh, nonetheless, I find it fascinating because, you know, hierarchy and authority, that has great meaning and substance when you think of, uh, like, as a dad, I have authority over my wife and children. And I can bless them and, and do that, that kind of thing. I can't do that with my neighbors. I don't have authority over them in that way. But the governor has certain authority over the entire state. And so I'm fascinated by the concept. And I, I will pray for their success. And, and I'd love to see this spread to Alabama, Florida, Virginia, Maryland. Wouldn't that be amazing to see? That'd be pretty cool. Praise be to God. Good morning to you again, uh, Mike Koniger, hanging out from Virginia. Hey, you good think- morning. You know, it, it, the shame of, of history is this, Joe. It should be birthing in Maryland, the original Catholic colony. I was going to say, America, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to see, too, what, for sure. What do you think the chances of getting Virginia consecrated to the Sacred Heart? Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, man. You know God, oh, right? man. <laughs> Anything can happen through God. Oh, right? ye of little but, faith. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be fascinating to see the look on the face of like a Protestant governor. Like, you want me to do what again? <laughs> like, uh, how is that going to go over with my evangelical base? I'm just curious, you know. Uh, definitely not pill battle, but not not impossible. And nonetheless, I don't think we're responsible for success. I think we're responsible for effort and attitude, you know, and we let God determine what success looks like in the end. And, you know, for instance, uh, you know, the feast of the of Corpus Christi, um, St. Juliana, you know, when she was uh, asked after over a 20-year period to, to help set this feast day up, you know, she tried to pursue this, and she had resistance. She had to keep pushing for it, and eventually it, it got through. There's a great article over PillarCatholic.com. I read just a portion of it. Uh, last hour. By the way, uh, through fact checkers, I realized I said uh, that it was St. Augustine who wrote the Mass parts, but that's not true. It was actually St. Thomas Aquinas, but when you go on, you know, five hours of sleep a day, stuff like that happens. My boy St. Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Contum Ergo, that comes from his hymns that was sung on the Feast of Corpus Christi, yes. and they took out part of it, which exactly. is the Contum Ergo, yeah. and they just sing it like that. Su- super sad. Awesome stuff right there. Very, very sad. So at any rate, uh, we're supposed to be hearing from a, a good friend, Tito Edwards, who is the chief editor over at uh, BigPulpit.com. He's going to be on with us in any moment, and when he does, we're going to talk about some of the best in blogosphere, uh, the Catholic blogosphere, um, because there's a lot of stories that go on out there that kind of go underreported, and BigPulpit.com does a great job of keeping us up to date there. So uh, Tito Edwards joins us now via Zoom chat, and hopefully, because so far, all, all of our guests have uh, had the, the Zoom mute curse. I wonder if he'll be the same way. Hey, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Adrian. Wow, you you were not stymied by the uh, Zoom mute curse. Is every one of our guests somehow like they they always forget that they're always muted, so they always start talking and we can't hear them. But not you. Praise be to God. He's a professional. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I've been on many Zoom calls the last week, so I've I've learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. We all we all do it. Yeah. It's a it's a thing in 2022. Prior to 2020, probably not, but now it is. But at any rate, bigpulpit.com. What is what's the what's the latest and greatest over there? Well, there's been a lot of talk with all the recent appointments of cardinals by Pope Francis that he's been quote unquote stacking the deck. And yeah. now George Weigel came out with a succinct article a day or two ago uh, called Demythologizing the Conclave. 
And the four things that he's wanted to mention was that not, it does not necessarily determine who the next pope is. He cites several examples from the 19th and 20th century where, the, where 61 of 62 cardinals in the eight, 1878 conclave came out with a completely different choice for, for, uh, for, for pope. Yeah. So, so they can surprise there, there are interesting facets to the conclave. Because it is done in secret, there's just mostly speculation and a lot of gossip, as as people claim, especially the Italian journalists, of what's going on inside the conclave. So we're not certain what will happen. So any anyone who is concerned about that, just throw that all away and uh, have fun watching white or black smoke whenever that happens. <laughs> God willing, it doesn't happen soon. We need to pray for Pope Francis' health. Yeah, for sure. Um, I find it fascinating because I know there has been a lot of talk and speculation about you know the Cardinals. I mean, he's the vast majority of the voting Cardinals now have been appointed by Pope Francis, and uh, and the choices have been very you know let's just say uh, scandalous at worst, you know, interesting at best. You could say uh, there's a lot of people. I, I pointed out the contrast of. There were so many people contrasting McElroy to uh, Corleone up in San Francisco, but I said, well, hold on, you're forgetting about Gomez in Los Angeles. This guy still hasn't received the red hat, and he's the bishop of the largest diocese in America. Um, and, yes. and McElroy is subordinate to him, so I find that very, very fascinating. And yet, there's no way to know for sure. These guys, they go behind locked doors, they make secret ballots, nobody knows who, who voted how, they read, they don't, their names aren't attributed to the ballots. So it's possible that even though Pope Francis may think that they'll vote in some way, it's possible they may vote in a different way. Yes, yes. Uh, it's common theme that when uh, a, a pretty, uh, when a Pope goes in and uh, he's had a pretty strong presence, that sometimes they, they pick a, di a different Pope altogether. Uh, to help slow down the aggressiveness of the previous pope's policies. Mm. So, <clears throat> what we can do is is just pray and and uh, leave all our worries to God when the conclave arrives. Yeah. The other aspect that I find fascinating about this whole uh, topic is the number of men His Holiness Pope Francis has elevated to the red hat who are not of voting age. They're they're older. They're not going to be able to go in to uh, and vote behind closed doors but they will have an impact because prior to them entering the Sistine Chapel and closing those doors they all get together and they talk and uh, in the, as the story goes prior to the 2013 conclave um, these popes these cardinals rather they all got together and they said what we need is a pope who will reform the Curia, and that became the mandate by which they gave Pope Francis, and that's how he's apparently seen his his pontificate. So these men that aren't of voting age could have a dramatic impact upon the next pope. Would you say? I I, I believe so because many of these guys are fish out of water, so to speak. Uh, a, a bishop out in uh, Minamore and, and another one from New Zealand, that small island off the coast of Australia. <clears throat> we need to remember also that the, the vast majority of the non-voting cardinals are also uh, very astute, uh, orthodox, love Jesus in the Eucharist, 
just to name a few, Francis Lorenze, George Bepel, Camilo Ruini, and Joseph Zen mm. are in there. And all the newbies are going to be looking to them for some direction and assistance. <clears throat> we, we also need to remember that in, in America, we live in a hyper-polarized political environment. And things are a bit different over in Europe, especially among the older crowd. So uh, it is m very much uh, a lot of camaraderie mm -hmm. amongst the, the cardinals. And we need to remember that Pope Benedict was no, uh, previously Cardinal Ratzinger was he was Papa Bile, but people were saying it's impossible. How could he be elected Pope? Because they called him the hammer of heretics. <laughs> and he came out in a short, uh, short conclave and was and became Pope as Benedict the 16th. Yeah. So the, we have we have some confidence in the elders that uh, will pull the young ones together and, and, and straighten the course a bit. I mean, I, I understand that, but at the same time, I have to, I have to feel that there's so many Catholics now who are losing confidence uh, because of the scandals that continue to rock the church, because of the statements that continue to pour out of the Vatican and curial officials that seem to contradict the patrimony uh, of, of Holy Mother Church, seem to embrace the world, the flesh, and the devil, and just over and over, I think so many people are disillusioned by this. And uh, does it, you get the sense that George Weigel in this article that you've linked up at BigPulpit.com is, is really trying to restore confidence? I mean, like, what is his goal in the article? I believe it's, like you said, to restore confidence, to relieve the anxiety out there. And, and the anxiety is real. <clears throat> I, I mean, it could still go sideways. <laughs> to some extent, but the general consensus is is that Pope Francis has done many things that are counter to what us as John Paul II Catholics, because the vast majority of us uh, grew up on John Paul II, um, will probably have somebody come in with a calming effect, reassuring effect, uh, and and probably diminish some of the initiatives that Pope Francis has put ahead and restore some confidence in the uh, Sea of Peter. I just hope that they'll actually get us a, a, a man that loves the Holy Church and wants every soul on planet Earth to become Catholic before he dies. You know, uh, Joe, the John Paul II died when I was seven years old, so I don't remember John Paul II at all. But, you know, one thing that I noticed, that, you know, in, this Amer in America, we have this hyper-focus on the politics of the church, and I think that's one of the downfalls of the situation, because in, in reality, we have no control over the conclave, over who becomes pope, whereas in America, in a lot of the Western world nowadays, we vote, and so we are, the, we, because we have a democracy, we have to be aware of the political situation, and we have to be keen on who we're voting for, and things, kinda, things like that, whereas before... That wasn't the case. The rulers, the kings, which some kings had veto power over who became pope, and they were focused on what was happening, what cardinals were being elected, those kind of things. And we had, as a laity, we had the responsibility of praying for the cardinals, praying for the conclave, and not really worrying about the politics yeah. of it. What do you think about that, Tito Edwards? you got about uh, 20 seconds. Yeah, I, I believe Adrian's right. Uh, culturally, as Americans, as, as Westerners, we, we're so used to having input uh, on our elected leaders that we, we need to we lose focus that sometimes we just need to trust God and, and, uh, and, and, and let things 
Amen. Roll as they may. Yeah, that's what But, we can uh, do. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be. It's very difficult, especially for us Americans. Amen. Praise be to God. Tito Edwards uh, from BigPulpit.com. Thank you for being on. We'll look forward to having you on next week. Catch us up on the best in the Catholic blogosphere. Check it out at BigPulpit.com. Time to play our game show, though. Fear and trembling. Or prizes are involved. You can win. All you got to do is make a phone call at 877-757-9424. Call right now. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Summer's here, and one of the most important things you can do with your children this summer is waste time with them. One of the best ways to waste time with kids is by playing with them. Card games, board games, group games, charades. But why are fun and games so important in family life? Having fun as a family reminds us that we are more than just a breadwinner or a chore machine. It's a way of reclaiming our identity as a family and spending time in those relationships that matter most. Fun and games helps to grease the wheels in family life and helps everyone to live and work together more effectively. Enjoying the presence of those we love also gives us a foretaste of heaven, that wonderful communion that we will have with loved ones and with God our Father. So ask yourself and your spouse this important question. How can we play together as a family this summer? For more on this topic, listen to our podcast on games at MessyFamilyMinute.org. I once had a gentleman come up to me and say he didn't think the principle of non-contradiction was true. That perhaps something could be and not be in the same respect at the same place and time. Now, skepticism doesn't get any more radical than this. The principle of non-contradiction is the principle upon which all human knowledge is based. So, how do we defend it? It's pretty simple. A skeptic can only speak against the principle if his words have the intended meaning and not the opposite. For example, if a skeptic says the principle is false, well, then he must intend the statement to mean what it expresses and not the opposite. Namely, the principle is true. But this presupposes the principle and thus undermines his attempt to deny it. So a skeptic can't deny the principle of non-contradiction without ending in self-defeat. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have secrets and agendas. And you're not allowed to tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. You have to keep this just between us, but if you do, I promise it'll be fun. And uh, so, number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about your Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course... We like to have fun, we like to have a laugh, and our callers are, in fact, amazing. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this kind of a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, let me explain. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but uh, here's the kicker. The caller does not need to know any of the correct answers and could still win the game. And that's because we don't ask them the questions. I'll ask Mike, and I will ask... Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. 
The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, whether it would be Mike or Adrian, and then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Mike, you're filling in for Rudy. What could they win? Oh, wow. It's a great one, Joe, and I'm sure you remember this. Remember one small step for man and one giant leap for the sacred heart? Amen. Remember when we went to the moon? I know you do, Joe. You were an adult back then. (laughs) The moon And we put the U.S. flag up there. That was cool. But you know what would be even cooler? Staking out a slice of your neighborhood for the Sacred Heart. So Gratia Design Company was founded in 2018 by Mm -hmm. Stephanie Roberts in pursuit of a lifelong dream of running her own business and creating art for the glory of God. On her site, you will find everything you need for liturgical living. From amazing Catholic stationery to home and kitchen items. This week, Stephanie has offered a Sacred Heart long flag and a $20 gift certificate for our winner. So please check out her design at Gratia Design Co. That's G-R-A-T-I-A Design Co. Dot com. Praise be to God. And show her some love. Yeah, amen to that. Gratia Design Co. Com. Thank you for your generous gift. I wonder if we should, like, if whoever wins should probably dress up in, like, an astronaut suit and take a picture of them planting it in their front yard or something. Do y'all believe in space? (laughs) Yeah, maybe this should be a trick question. Is that a trivia question? Uh, Does space exist, yes or no? Well, anyway, let's go to our phones. Good morning to you, Mr. Jude. Yes, this is Mr. Jude. How are you today? Praise be to God, I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Another day in paradise. (laughs) Is Houston considered another day in paradise? Every, yes, so every day is a good day. <laughs> every day is a good day, even in Houston, praise be to God. It's, oh, been, yeah. it's been a while since we've had you on the show. How have you been? All right. Good. Huh? Yeah. Praise be to God. I'm glad you're well. I'm glad you're back on the show. Now, uh, yeah. just so you know, because I'm on your side, okay, Jude, it's me and you, pal, against the other two. And uh, Rudy's not on today. He is on vacation. So Mike is filling oh. in for him, and... You know, his level of trickiness has yet to be determined. I can only tell you he's not wearing a tie. Other than that, I don't know what to say. We're going to have to find out the hard way. Are you ready, sir? Oh, yes, I am. Let's do this. All right. Praise be to God. We'll go to Mike, standing in for Rudy Carlos, as is our custom. Good morning to you, Mike. Are you ready, sir? Oh, good morning. Are you ready? I am ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? I am absolutely sure. Sounds very confident. Are you Are you really sure? If I were any sure, I'd be two people. <laughs> okay, that's good. Don't call me Shirley. Uh, don't call me Shirley. All right, Mike, can you tell me what does the Dean of the College of Cardinals do at the Pope's convention before the Pope is crowned? Well, unlike Adrian, I've been alive to see five Popes. Whoa. So, wow. Uh, the dean, the dean stands before everybody. Mm-hmm. He turns to his left. Mm-hmm. He turns to his right. Okay. And he thanks the Pope for his ministry, and he really? prays for his successful papacy. Really? Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's just let's just get a second opinion from somebody from from the other side of the uh, age spectrum. Uh, Adrian. Good That's morning. Me. Praise be to God. Can you tell me, what does the Dean of the College of Cardinals do at the Pope's convention before the Pope is crowned? Right. Okay. That's, you know, okay. The Dean of the College of Cardinals, Uh huh. before the Pope is crowned, Yeah. he goes up uh-huh. and he recites the Our Father. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I like, may like, have been only seven years old when Benedict was elected, <clears throat> but 
I know this happens. <laughs> does it happen? It Are does sure? happen. Okay. Wow. All right. Uh, there you go. Jude, you have choices here. The dean of the College of Cardinals. The question is, what does he do before the Pope is crowned? Which actually no longer happens. But nonetheless, True. what happened back in the day when he was crowned? Did he pray the Our Father, as Adrian seems to suggest? Or did he just like, you know, pat the guy on the back, you know, wish him luck and, you know, said a little prayer for him? What say you, Mr. Jude? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Yeah, uh, Adrian, he says the Alfada. Ooh. Well played. <laughs> that was tricky, Jude. Not for him. He knew it. That was great. No hesitation. That was, they were trying to fool you on that one, and you did well, Jude. Praise be to God. In fact, it's true story. He did recite the Our Father, but it's been since uh, John the 23rd, I think, right? Was the last guy to be crowned? I think Paul the Sixth is the one who retired it. Oh, so he was crowned so and then crowned retired? And then he retired the Got crown. it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, fascinating fact. All right. Second question. We're going to go to Adrian first on this one. Adrian. Oh, no. That's dangerous. I was told that in a secret memo from your alumni. Oh. But nonetheless. Awkward. We continue on. Okay. In what century did the practice of declaring a holy year begin? Mm. Yes. This actually goes back mm -hmm. all the Whoa. way. Okay. And the distant past yeah. of 1974, so the 20th century. That's not all that long ago. Yeah. Okay. It's been a long, long tradition in the church. It's, I'm sure for you. Mm. I was born in I was born, born in 74, so. Oh, wow. Not actually all that. Well, pretty young, I would say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very young. Young, yes. yes. Young. Yes. Okay. So 1974 is your answer, so you're talking uh, 20th century there. That's what I'm saying. Uh, hey, Mike, uh, you're of my vintage, a little older, but uh, can you tell me in what century did the practice of declaring a holy year begin? Oh, contrary to what Adrian is telling the Telegram group, I was not alive then. <laughs> it was the 15th century. The, the 15th century. Now, that's hmm. much further back. Sure. Uh, praise be to God. Yes, sir. All right, interesting. Fascinating fact, there is a corpus... It, uh, Adrian's alumni that dates back to the 15th century. Interesting. Uh, but Jude, what is the correct yeah. answer of the declaring the holy year? Is it the 20th century as Adrian suggests or is it the 15th century as Mike suggests? Jude, 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Yeah. Uh, 15th century. Fifth, fifth, what? 15th? You say 15th? I heard 15th, yeah. You did say 15th. Well played, yeah. And fascinating Dude. fact, did you know that the corpus in the chapel at your, at your alumni Denoted, donated by the Manel Collection? Yes. 1492. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. 100%. And actually, there are some who say that the whole year was actually done the first time in the 1300s. <sighs> yeah. So, but so we did it wasn't fact really, check this. Well, but it wasn't question. done again until the 15th. And then Got it was... It. Made a God. normal thing. All right, last question. We're going to go back to Mike here on this last one. Mike, is peace one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Of course it is. No, come on now. <laughs> Yikes. <It's, laughs> that's, that's pretty confident, Mike. Are you sure? Is peace one of the Absolutely fruits of the Holy Ghost? Absolutely sure. Okay. okay. Well, it makes me wonder then. I wonder what Adrian's going to say. I have so many options. Yeah, you got options. Uh, let's just find out. Adrian, can you tell me, is peace one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Peace. Like, like how much? How many pieces? Uh, like I was going to say like a piece of apple pie, but is, no. 
like well, peace. Like, like a, a piece of fruit? Yes, like feeling peace. The, the fruit of the Holy Ghost. Contentment. Okay. Okay. Opposite of anger and... Okay. And... Chaos. I'm, I'm following. Anarchy. I think I got it. I yeah. think I got it. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. considering that we, I do not, I do not prefer peace. I prefer war. Do you? No, no. War is bad. War. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna say no. Not no. a fruit. So you're you're gonna just go ahead and go opposite then. I'm just gonna say no. Straight up. Just gotta say it. Okay. Just gotta say no. Well, Mr. Jude, the question is: Is peace one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Adrian says no. Mike says yes. 15 seconds on the clock. What say you, Mr. Jude from Houston? Yeah, so is it P-E-A-C-E? Is that... P-E-A-C-E. Yeah, okay, no. Go, go yes. Three yes. I'm so sorry. In fact, peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost. I always get confused. Yeah. There's I'm the gifts sorry. of the Holy Ghost, fruits of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Holy Ghost does a lot of things. What's up with that? He's very busy. Praise be like to God. God or something. But don't. But you're in for two, Mr. Jude. Congratulations, you could win. We're very grateful to have you back on the show today. Praise be to God. Uh, are you? Uh, are, yes, quick. We have all these seconds. Oh, okay, uh, please. Whenever we are doing this, because I listen to this always. Uh, before you go, you mention the answers. At times, you make the forms with overtake that, so that those of us who are learning, we take, we get the answers. Okay. We'll work on that, Mr. Jude. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for being on our show. We're going to put you on hold so we get your, you make sure we have solved your number. But that's going to do it. If you can join us in the after show, we would love to have you. You can hang out with us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt for the live video feed where we'll talk directly with you. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk to a, a pregnancy center in Denton, Texas that was firebombed. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Thursday of the 11th week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, alleluia, praise the everlasting King. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Christ Son. O God, strengthen those who hope in you, graciously hear our pleas. And since without you mortal frailty can do nothing, grant us always the help of your grace, that in following your commands we may please you by our resolve and by our deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Sirach. Like a fire, there appeared the prophet Elijah, whose words were as a flaming furnace. Their staff of bread he shattered, and his zeal he reduced them to streets. By the Lord's word, he shut up the heavens and three times brought down fire. How awesome are you, Elijah, in your wondrous deeds, whose glory is equal to yours. You brought a dead man back to life from the netherworld by the will of the Lord. You sent kings down to destruction and easily broke their power to pieces. You brought down nobles from their beds of sickness. You heard threats at Sinai, at Horeb avenging judgments. You anointed kings who should inflict vengeance and a prophet as your successor. You were taken aloft in a whirlwind of fire, in a chariot with fiery horses. You were destined, it is written, in, a, in time to come, to put an end to wrath before the day of the Lord, to turn back the hearts of fathers toward their sons, and to reestablish the tribes of Jacob. Blessed is he who shall have seen you and who falls asleep in your friendship. For we live only in our life, but after death our name will not be such. O Elijah enveloped in a whirlwind. When Elisha, filled with a twofold portion of his spirit, wrought many marvels by his mere word. During his lifetime, he feared no one, nor was any man able to intimidate his will. Nothing was beyond his power. Beneath him, flesh was brought back into life. In life, he performed wonders, and after death, marvelous deeds. The word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. 
Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. Cloud and darkness are round about him. Justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes round about. His lightnings illumine the world. The earth sees and trembles. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all peoples see his glory. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. All who worship graven things are put to shame who glory in the things of naught. All gods are prostrate before him. Rejoice in the Lord, you just. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. You have received a spirit of adoption as sons, through which we cry, Abba, Father. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, In praying do not babble like the pagans, who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, I was asked to give a talk to confirmation students as I was driving there, I asked the Holy Spirit, as is custom, what is it you want me to say to them? And I heard him say one word, a surprising word I've never heard before and never really talked about it at length, suicide. So when I was giving the talk, I gave them the same gift that the Holy Spirit gave me when I was 15. I prayed to you know, to the Lord because I felt sad and I had some suicidal suggestions in my mind. And God, when I, when I prayed, God not only took those away from me, but he gave me a grace to show me that I would never take my life, uh, a grace of knowing that I would never commit suicide. And, uh, you know, this is what I shared with these, these young people. I found out later that they had three among them who had committed uh, suicide. And I prayed, I told them, this is how you are to pray. When you are in a valley, you have to simply, the, the most important thing about it is praying, actually doing it. 
uh, turning to God. It takes great courage to turn to God in those moments. <clears throat> but I, I say that because when I was a young man, God had to teach me a virtue that I didn't know. Uh, this world does not live in the virtue of magnanimity, greatness of soul. Uh, he had to show me that he wanted me to think a certain way. And we have this, this first reading of this figure, Elijah. And Sirach says, how awesome are you, Elijah, and lists his many accomplishments. But the greatness of soul comes from living not just the virtue of magnanimity, but its foundation. The virtue of humility, uh, and there, according to Father James Flanagan, the salt founder, he gives a, or a definition this way. The virtue of humility is to, to know, at one and the same time, the greatness of God and your own littleness. Elijah was truly, deeply humble. He said, I know that God wants to do great things, so I will permit him to be great in all of my actions, in all of my words, in all of my thoughts. And uh, like I said, when I was a young man, I had to learn this. I remember praying. I was a kind of a ladies' man in high school. My nickname was Casanova. This, this thing, celibacy, I don't, I don't know if this is, is, is even possible. Well, after praying, I felt not only that God would grant me the grace of celibacy, but I also knew. I praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Grow him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Percepti salutaribus moniti et in institutioni formati, audehemus dicere. Paternal star, quiescent chenis, scientificator nomen tuum, ad finat renum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secur in cello ed in terra, panum nostrum quotidianum, denubis unie, Et imite nobis dobita nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et nenus anducas in tentacionem, salviboronus amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant your peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay, quit all this back at Amundi, me On you stay, quit all this back at Amundi, me sadder
story. Greater is Begata Moody, Dona Nobis Pacha. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, my soul shall be. There is one thing I ask of the Lord, only this do I seek, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where our captain trod our King victorious, Christ the Son of God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore His sacred name. Led on their way by this triumphant sign, the host of God in conquering ranks combine. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. My name is Presley. And Sarah. We are from St. 